This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. Hello, everybody. Hello. It's Tuesday. It's the wrong day again, but we ah. don't care because it's audio podcast time. It is. We just record the audio podcast whenever we can these days. But it's always ready by Wednesday. And that's the main thing. And so this will be Wednesday the 29th, which is tomorrow. No, anyway, for those people operating in a parallel universe, they will have successfully observed the fact that we have correctly travelled in time now. But we'll get to that in a minute when we get to the title feature, which is the sound card shopping thing. Yeah, this is the sound card shopping episode. Our main item coming up later on. Which is, we just did. Which we've just done, hence our time travelling adventures. Is, um, <laughs> it's, it's with a friend of ours, uh, Scott McLaughlin, talking about what sound card he wants to get. So that's kind of cool. Um, but before that, we'll do the news items as always. And obviously, if you want to follow up on any of the links we mentioned, they're all there. At wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Yeah. And if you want to complain about anything we've said, or you just want to complain about us, or you have like some supportive words or just offensive words, then feel free to just go there and email them to us in some way. Yep. Cool. Shall we get into the news then? Let's do it. All right, then. Our first news item is a little bit of a kind of a shout out sort of style but um i thought it's kind of well it's not amusing it's kind of unfortunate but these things are quite effective uh somebody had their guitar stolen from canada so they kind of craigslist a fairly uh detailed uh, well a very detailed description of it including photos and pointing out why they would never be able to sell this and they should just give it back and i think it's yeah i think it's good that we continue to spread this because yeah. it was well it was posted on the 21st and yeah it details how this is a one of a kind absolutely unique instrument that's been stolen from his studio never mind the rest of his gear which is also, also of more value to him than anybody else but yeah. so it's a very altered but very real that's a great phrase by the way a 1953 gibson's les paul model a serial number 30621 stamped on the back of the headstock so if somebody offers you somebody tries to flog that to you then well, it's this person's. Because I'm thinking, well, you don't really want to buy it, but at the same point, if you buy it and return it, then this guy would be really happy, I guess. So, I suppose. But, I mean... But at the same point, it's nicked. So the dude who's selling it to you is it's probably dodgy. Yeah. You probably wouldn't want to let him know you have your wallet on you, I don't think. <laughs> there we go. It's unfortunate that people steal things. I'm not going to say anything more harsh than that because I really want to, but I'm very proud of our clean notice that we have from Apple on our podcast so it does say so but we will protect our clean status what's next what's next um we're back we're back with um two of my favorite things sort of (laughs) well it's spotify again but there is actually news we're talking about um them and facebook we mentioned this when it first was rumored and now they've got a bit more detail about what how that's going to work yeah so they're going to they're going to integrate facebook and spotify are going to provide some integration between their services I think the biggest thing you're going to see when this happens is there will be a music tab appear where it says photos in the left-hand side of your profile. Yep. And that's the... That's kind of and that will take you to what they're calling a music dashboard. And I think... I mean, I... I like this because I think the music thing is intrinsically... It is very social, like yep. your music thing. Like, I, I was talking with a couple of people, but... I was looking on my Facebook and the number of times that the Facebook links I put up there are YouTube videos of live performances of music. That's like probably my number one Facebook status update is a YouTube video of a music video. Do you want everyone that you know on Facebook knowing what you're listening to while you're listening to it all the time? Mm, I, I don't mean, know. Is that going to color? Are you, if you're basically means that, well, but my, li- my last FM, okay. my, my last FM playlists 
up until the revision of the website I just rolled of my personal website, that that was all publicly there anyway. Yeah. You can you can find me on YouTube and all of my kind of play. I think my playlist history is public. There are definitely my favorites and my stuff like that is. And you know, I have a fairly incredible selection of early '90s techno in my YouTube playlist right now. So, you know, you know, I'm not ashamed. I love all sorts of music. I'm, oh man, I, there's a news item we've completely missed here, but let's not worry about that. I'll, I'll get there at the end. Oh, okay. Well, that was, I'm interested now. I'd, Glastonbury. Uh, of course. Half my family's there. There you go. Oh, that's cool. My dad's there. It's his last year this year. He does um, volunteering with the um, with Oxfam. He works it every year. Oh, but this awesome is his stuff. last year doing it. He's, uh, I I always want to go, own. and then it's like, it's just a whole load of money and a whole load of hassle, and then you can watch it like on iPlayer when you want to, and you know what I mean? Like the cameraman's about two feet away from the guy. Last yeah, last year um, there was some watchable again HD stuff. I think the Muse set was really good last year because I used yeah. to Muse in little tiny grotty gigs when they oh, were small, right. yeah, cool. and then to sit in a friend's house with a huge plasma screen watching HD recording with large sound system, just like well, yeah, good for you. You're just playing the same tunes, but effortlessly for millions of people because it's all watched again. I, I watched Mumford and Sons and it was awesome. Mumford and Sons were awesome. That was that was an awesome gig. Actually, the sound quality was really good this year. I I think they must have like because there have been years when the sound quality's been pretty poor. Mm. Like the recorded sound. I don't know what the live sound situation's been like, but the recorded sound hasn't been particularly great. Whereas this year, it was definitely. I would suspect. I think it was. I would suspect it was recorded and remixed. I think, or they were mixing it. They were. It was being properly mixed live. They were definitely prioritizing the recording because it was really top notch quality. Actually, there there were some parts that I hadn't heard properly for a long time like you know when you hear people play and it's like there's a really cool bass part there and you know you never really hear it apart from on the recording but it was all kind of coming out clean and stuff i was really impressed actually with the quality of the sound of glass this year there you go excellent there we are that's (laughs) all we should get somebody on all right i'm gonna go and try and find somebody who come on about the about sound at glastonbury that'd be awesome if we could do that i'm gonna have to add glastonbury into the show notes on the wiki because that's not on the list but it will be by the time this comes out more time travel okay okay let's move on Anyway, we were trying to talk about Facebook and Spotify. <laughs> then we got completely lost. But it, it doesn't really, you know. But basically, Facebook are going to use Spotify to bring music integration into their into their service. And the clever way that they've gone about it by doing it through Spotify, this is from Facebook's perspective, is Facebook don't need to deal with record labels or any of that because Spotify has already cool. done all that hard work. So now they just plug in the APIs back and it's all there. And you'll have the ability to kind of add something to your wall so you can say, I'm listening to this, it's awesome. You'll be able to let people know what you listen to anyway if you want to. But you'll also um, be able to have play, pause and stop controls be put down in the bottom of your Facebook screen as well. So yep. you'll actually be able to control them from where the Facebook chat kind of thing, there's going to be buttons there as well apparently. So now you never need to leave Facebook. Facebook. Ever. Ever. It's, I shouldn't really mention this at all, but I watched The Social Network for the first time a couple of days ago. I listened to the soundtrack on um, Spotify recently. Oh, cool. The soundtrack's all right for that film, actually. It's pretty good. I was, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I, I'm not going to say anything else about the film. Okay. What's next? Reflections on Max MSP. Oh, this this is as if we possibly haven't offended enough people. This is a great ass. This well, is this a is, great I'm, I, I confess to only having skim read this myself because I suspect that it would offend me, but in a way that what it's saying is probably true. And I'm very Max MSP centric right now. Um, kind of committed to completing a large body of work with it, and I, I don't want to hear how bad it is. Okay. Is is that? I mean, is that the gist of this? This is reflections on it, but you know, it opens it's, with a. It, it's a collection of things, really. Um, 
tell you what, let, let, let's skim down the article and we're in for it okay. and you can stop me. So the, the first bit he points out is that um, having moved to China, he's become very aware of the fact that value there is very... The, the quality of something is measured against its price tag. So something being free as an open source thing compared to a commercial product costing hundreds of pounds, the commercial product costing hundreds of pounds must be better and therefore it's the direction taken. Okay. So that that's an interesting observation. To be honest, I think... You know, that kind of thing exists here as well, people. You know, there's always a weirdness about, oh, if it's free, it doesn't, it's not right. And there are differences. You don't get commercial support. You don't get commercial development cycles, all these things. Yeah. But, you know, that's a that's a, that's a a personal thing, isn't it, really? Um, the, He then kind of goes on just to kind of quickly, well, he kind of quickly says, why do we teach people Max? Which I think is an interesting argument, actually. And this is possibly the one I'd like to return to the most. But he basically says, he basically kind of proposes that we teach people Max because... The people teaching know Max, and then they just teach Max, and they know Max because they were taught Max, and hence this cycle continues. And to be honest, I've taught Max, and I teach Max here because I was taught Max well, here, I, actually. But, and hence, yeah. I teach Max again. Now, in actual fact, I've had a couple of arguments about other languages I'd prefer to teach for reasons. but And I thought that was interesting. But then the thing is, he does admit that that happens in all programming spheres. So, you know, people... Java people who, you know, managers who have experience in Java hire people who do Java. And then they are, then they become the managers and therefore hire people who do Java. And these, like, languages do entrench like this because sectors have exposure to them. So in a music department, you would see a lot of Maximus P, obviously. Well, it's a long-standing thing that's been around for a long time in in various growth stages, so... Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that kind of thing. Um, he, He then kind of goes on to sort of... He then kind of goes on to kind of issue a bit of an attack. An attack. Yeah, I might as well just use the word attack. I hope it's it's a cause offense. But basically kind of just starts to discuss the graphical view to text paradigm. And for me, this is the kind of clincher. The illustration he uses is polytilder as well. Okay. To kind of do this thing. And and I do agree with with this entirely in that the the graphical thing gives you an... Has an easy... Is easier to start with. You have boxes and you plug them together. Yeah, that's a lot easier yep. than here's a blank text document and now we're going to put some code in here. And for fun, we're going to do it in like Vim or something. You know, it's <laughs> some sort of obscure text editor, which is inevitably what happens. But but at the same point, the problem with the graphical environment is that it really, lots of things that are should be simple to do in programming languages aren't simple to do in Max because of the graphical environment. Because everything is based on data going from here to there, getting changed and coming out here and... Yeah. And the lack of the ability to kind of, and the lack of obvious recursive elements inside stuff like that. Yeah. Because um, I was talking with uh, my friend Alex Harker actually in the pub last night, and he pointed out to me the fact that the Uzi is a for loop. Yeah. And an Uzi is a for loop. However, it's called Uzi, and hence there's this kind of gap between the rest of computer science and, and Max kind of thing here. And I guess this was the point that I took out of this most because I've recently transferred from max to chuck and then due to a variety of situations i've ended up doing a lot more programming for in a whole load of other languages i've been doing a lot of python recently and some php and stuff like that and i realized that i had a bit of nervousness going back into kind of commercial programming because i was like i haven't done this for a while but then realized that because i'd been doing so much chuck recently in actual fact functions and objects were entirely inside my head and i knew exactly where i was going with all of it and there was no problem at all and whereas i thought if i'd been coming from max into that world that probably would have been probably would have been a little bit more struggle a little bit slower in the pickup just because of the fact that it's the graphical environment is a different way of doing stuff so whereas the yeah 
even across different languages that are text-based, there's a lot of similarities. And but yeah, okay, I'm I'm not going to launch into a max defense. I'm not. No, go on. No, you don't want it. You don't want it. Well, I learned C plus plus and Max MSP at the same time, and they both each helped me learn the other. I think l doing them both simultaneously is what is what I was really into. Like some things that are simple and straightforward to think about in text were hard to think about in Max, but and vice versa. Yeah. So, and there's there's that argument about how Max MSP is still a textual language. You know, you are still basically putting chunks of C together. But you're not you're not putting them together in a programming construct way in it's a, in, in the text way. You're doing them with a kind of graphical in a data flow in, in a data flow way. Yeah. And the weakness of the data the weakness in my mind of the data flow is that it's very limiting in what you can in in my mind there's lots of things which are very limiting about what you can do. Yeah. Because okay. like really powerful things you can do in in the textual programming language is you write a function and then you know you 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 call a function and then have the call of the function actually being inside a call of another function and hence you just litter you can just line these things up in like lines and they do yeah do x things you see and in the and as a programming in in a text language that's very it's very clean very clear and absolute whereas in the kind of max programming language you would you would plug from thing to thing to thing to thing and if the order depending on the order and the layout of these things on the screen can impact exactly what would happen at the point you think it's going to happen and interact and stuff like that it's this true is, you know. i think yeah but i mean you could or you could have an abstraction which you give the name of other abstractions as a list of arguments and then they load up and dynamically yeah. connect depending on what you've provided which is yeah on, so on actually yep. in, in in defense of max as well i would actually offer as a defense of max is the one thing it does do which is incredible is the integration of the graphical the, the user interface because it's incredible it's like you know in chuck uh, i'm trying to think I have a I have a huge kind of public class that I've written, which allows me to make a slider with one line. But that public class is probably about fifty lines or so. So I'm looking at fifty-one lines of code to put a slider on a screen in OSX only on using a mini autoco interface, mini autoco IDE. Whereas in Max, you can have as many sliders as you want. Yep. You just whack them on the screen and get them to do whatever you want to do, which is cool. Now that that is that is actually a really cool thing, and I think that's the main defense of Max, to be honest, is the you know the interface sort of stuff. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> it, I think that's a really cool argument. Um, there was a big, there was quite a big debate about it actually inside Facebook. So that's obviously not very helpful because it's locked away and you, it was only on a comment and then a comment thread. So there's no actual real way of publicizing, publicing that. So there you go. <laughs> but if you happen to know me on Facebook, then you could, you know, look through my Facebook wall and you'd see it. I guess you could seek permission of everyone involved and publish it. Yeah. On, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. <coughs> anyway, it's a cool article. You'll find the show notes are in. The, the link to it is in the show notes. I'd recommend it a read. He does actually compare Max and Super Collider. That's actually what's going on with yep. the rest of it. He talks about the comparison between the two and what he doesn't like and like about Super Collider. And I kind of extrapolated the things he liked about Super Collider just into the textual language sphere altogether. Because for me, I actually view them as being textual language constructs. That's what's different here. And that's what the value is. Okay. Anyway, that's a lot of programming for an audio show. <laughs> it is. You know what we need? We need a story about Apple. That's what we need now. We we need an Apple story, and ideally an Apple story about video, I think. That Let's would get be this ideal. really quickly through then. Final Cut Pro X has been released, and some people are kind of observing that it's some a Some people are very diplomatic. It's been slated at all possible corners. <laughs> so 
the the reason I'm mentioning this is just it, it's basically just a plea on behalf of everybody else who uses an Apple product for some sort of professional thing that please don't trash logic in the same way. I think that's what maybe what I just want to say. I think that's what people want to say, really. It's I think that it's possible they could trash logic and make it better, but that's just because... Well, they, they could <laughs> trash it and make it better. But, you know... Unless I, they say, actually, what we need is something which is more like GarageBand, then that wouldn't... Then maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you're in the video stuff, you'll probably be aware of it. The new version of Final Cut came out, and to be honest, Final Cut wasn't very... was never particularly intuitive, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Ever. But I think people have invested time and they learn it. Like I know how to use it. It's not. I didn't feel it was intuitive, but I know how to use it now, and it's mm-hmm. fine. But from what I saw of the demo, I did. I did like watch a couple of screen, kind of the Apple screenshot of Final Cut X, and I realized that like everything that I know where to click to do things I want to do, none of those things are actually where they were now. So that's going to mean that when somebody shows me it, that's going to be a problem. Also, they've cut backwards support as well. Yep. Which is a real killer. For everything, you just can't. All the plugins and everything. Everything was 32 bit, and now. Now it's all six four bit, so nothing can come forward into it. Yeah, and that's you just that's just for professional item, professional work. That's just impossible to work with that. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> you know, people were saying this is Apple's biggest blunder yet. You know, I think that's a bit harsh. I don't think it's the biggest blunder yet. And I don't think it's going to make much difference. I think. People. Well, to to our audio li- audio podcast audio uh, producing listeners, <laughs> the <laughs> state of video uh, and editing software probably is a major issue. We thought that was fun. Anyway, let's move on. Um, just say if you're BBC folk, if you if you're in the UK, you know about the BBC or not. But Jules Holland is being honoured for his contribution to music. You know, for sake of time, I don't know if there's anything else to add to that. Nope, that's happening. There we go. Cool. All right, then. Let's move on. Um, a couple of cool uh, YouTube videos. We have loads of plunder, so I just sort of chucked this in here, but um. Uh, B Karma um, on YouTube has kind of put together a whole load of uh, reactor new school techniques, technique videos, just about how to use it, how to work with it. They're pretty cool. Um, I watched one of them, and it's, it's detailed actually, well put together. So if you're if you're in a reactor, this may be a way to have a look. It's a, I think it's like six parts or something. It's quite a long, quite a long, it's quite a long series. So hmm. you know, what I mean? it, it's very detailed. It's definitely a good resource to take a look at. Excellent. Shall I just keep going? Yeah. All right. Then. <laughs> Um, improviser, uh, improviser for audio cube, audio cubes. Um, new piece of software for if you're working with audio cubes. Do you know anybody who works with audio cubes? They're like those little boxes that change color and you point them each other. No, I do not know anyone that works with those things. No, it, it's like the world's most cool. It's like the world's most cool technology which arrived just a little bit too late. Because <laughs> it's awesome. Like everybody's like, oh, it's awesome. But you're you're not going to go buy audio cubes when you can have like some sort of multi-touch interface, are you? Or or obviously connects video tracking. Now it's just like. It's a cool idea, but I think it's just been a skip. Anyway, um, improviser allows you to kind of, you know, use them to control elements of an improvised kind of piece and stuff like that. It's, it's available there if you're interested. It is. I mean, this is quite clearly a um, application which has been built in Max MSP, although it doesn't mention it in the uh, page. Yeah, but it definitely is, isn't it? It is. Come on, uh, can I ask which item gave it away? Is it the sliders, the, uh, the, the case slider, or the swatch object? It was the dial, which got me first, actually. The dial, actually? Yeah. And yep. the toggles, obviously. I'm also spotted the dial, everything. The number boxes, the... Yep, this watch, the multi-slider. The menus all. at the top. Yeah. New menus. See that? Multi-slider objects. They might not thank us for that, you know, so... But I've, why not? It's a, a defensive... This is a good example of how you can 
make a product which can, can be useful to other people using Max MSP. Very you nicely you done don't there. see people doing that with SuperCollider. Or do you? Maybe I'm just blind to it. I don't oh, know. that's it. Come on, bring on the flame. Bring on the flame. All right, then. And um, heading into our final news item here. I thought this was just ace, but um, we've never really mentioned Justin Bieber on the show before. Who's that? So. Who's that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's some like teenager who sells like millions of derivative records. Good for him. Yeah, precisely. He's making a whole lot of money. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares what our opinion is. The reason I mentioned it though is the um um Harmon JBL supplied a whole load of um supplied the rig for a gig he did in the Philippines and there's a really cool article on the Pro Sound Network um all about the rig and what rig they used and how they used it and how it was set and stuff. That is interesting. If you're gonna have Oh yeah, thousands right. of people come in to see someone sing a song. Then it's gonna have to sound good. And well, yeah. Next time I have seventy thousand people turn up for my concert, or yeah, I'll probably refer to this refer to this article. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. So that's our news. We kind of charged for it really quick because we we've already recorded the main item. We know it's a little long, so we wanted to get you there. So um, here comes the main item, and then by the wonders of time travel, we will reappear and do the plunder. <laughs> Hello, it's Scott. And Sam. And Scott. Hey, hello, Scott. Hey, hello, Scott. Hi, guys. This is our main feature, but we're doing it first. It feels like the start of the show. <laughs> so we've got that show opening kind of uh, nerves and, you know, general sense that we should be saying stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, anyway, the reason this is our main feature... So I see Sam, you're me on there. I, was, I, I see that, yeah. I was going to jump in there, but we'll just, we'll just pause even more. It'll be all right. So this is our main feature, and our main feature today is assisting Scott. And this is a new service I think we can offer as the the audio podcast. Sam, actually, well, perhaps. I mean, this came about because Scott McLaughlin here um, said that he was in the market for buying a new sound card, and I said, "So am I." And rather than launch into a conversation at that point, we said, "We'll save this conversation for next week and record it for the podcast." So here we are. Here we are, indeed. So, um, Scott, what do you want on your what, what, what do you want your sound card for? Well, I've got, coming into this, uh, I, I some very kind people, I'm doing some work for them, and they can't pay me, but they can buy me stuff, and this I like. So I need a sound card, so they're going to purchase me a sound card, and they have a budget of something around £400. So I'm looking for something for £400. I'll be doing a variety of things. I'm looking for portability, so preferably something that will be bus-powered. Uh, I'm going to be running it on Mac, so it has to be OS X. I'm, I'd need it to be Firewire, preferably... Uh, what else do I need? I need to do a variety of kind of recording and live electronics type things. So I need at least two ins and preferably at least four outs. That's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Okay. Cool. We should have that as a checklist on the show. We should. If we had that written down, this one might make this easier. But so bus power. So how is it going to connect? Firewire. Yep. That, that's my preference. Uh, I'm o open to suggestions that Firewire is not my preference, but... Well, I think that we can get that out of the way straight away because I wouldn't dream of buying a USB audio interface. Well, I, I wouldn't dream of buying USB interface either if it wasn't... F but at the same point, Firewire is kind of disappearing from computers now, isn't it? You know, so are we saying if I buy this, it'll be redundant in a month? Or will it be redundant in five years? By well, which time I'll have mashed it. Well, anyways. it'd be redundant when you don't own a computer that has a Firewire port. Except if it's been superseded by Thunderbolt, then that's backwards compatible. With Firewire. So you're probably still okay with Firewire. Cool. I think we like Firewire. My personal experience is to buy Firewire interfaces. Yep. 
So we should like we should try and pick <laughs> some things out. Have a, have a look at stuff we got here. Well, if if you want portable, you're going you're not going to want a rack. You don't want a, ra- a full no. rack size unit here. We don't really want. Well, you don't really want ears on it either, do you? So it's something I'm probably going to be dragging to other countries. So something I can fit in hand luggage would be nice. Yeah, with enough padding to stop it being destroyed. So it doesn't get being okay. Well, I guess um, I know as 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 listeners to our show will know uh, we record the show on Motu hardware because I have loads of Motu hardware. So you have everything set up in the QMix software so that you can just load up the settings and press record. Yeah, and I do it all the time. Um, so I'd probably, you know, my immediate, immediate thing. I, I have a ultralight, and that's great for me. And this is what my initial thought was, ultralight would be the way to go. And even coming into when I asked you guys last week, I was thinking, I'll probably just get an ultralight, but let's see if these guys have anything to offer that's different. So maybe the focus of today's show is what would be better than an ultralight for what reasons? Yeah. If well, let, we should we should check where the benchmark is. I'm saying I, d- I don't know what price the ultralights are currently running at. Um, there be they're hybrids, aren't they? Now, so you get USB mm-hmm. and FireWire. Mm-hmm. I'm always. I I guess actually the USB FireWire debate is very much polarized in my mind by the fact that Motu make incredible FireWire interfaces, and then they made a USB one, and it was dreadful. So that's probably part of the reason for this kind of extreme in my mind. So the only thing that was different with that was that it was USB, and this killed it. Yeah, they made a USB eight to eight. I think uh, they still make a USB power, a USB eight two eight, don't they? Maybe, maybe. I wouldn't dream of buying it. So, so the Ultralight Mark III Hybrid. I'm saying that's going to have everything you're asking and a whole load more. It's currently uh, available at four hundred and six pounds and fifteen pence Ooh. plus postage. I won't say where that's from, but people can find it themselves. Yeah, yeah, in that kind of range. Um, a little bit lower than what you said is the Focusrite Sapphire Pro fourteen that has um two in and well has two pre. Two mic preamps plus two line in, and four six out. So that's four analog out plus SP diff. I think. Is that right? Is that the is that the Pro Forty? That's the Pro Fourteen. Ah, because so there's also the Pro Forty, which has eight mics, eight mic preamps, eight analog in outs. What kind of price were you getting for the, the well, fourteen? That's, that's more like two hundred pounds, or that's that's sub two hundred pounds. Ah. So. If my memory serves me correctly, I think we, I think one of our one of our, one of our players has one of those as well, doesn't he? Um, perhaps, or you might remember me talking about this because this is the one I've got my eye on. Um, because no, I think Graham has one of these. Is that the one that Graham has? Yeah, Graham, yeah. Graham, Graham Booth. If you're listening to the show, you should uh, let us know if this is one of the ones you have. And I'm how are you nice. getting on with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. definitely interested in that. How about individual shout-outs to people? Let's see <laughs> Graham, if you're listening, you should text in from the future and let us know, and we'll we'll update. So you're looking for Sam. You're looking for something in in the two hundred pound range. I think so. I mm. was well for that many ins and outs. I was tempted once it went. If you look, at, once I went above that, I started looking at the Alessis um, IO twenty six. Yep, here it is. Which is oh, again, that's in the same sort of range. But there you get eight preamp. You get eight preamps um, and eight out as well. Made by who? Alessis. Is that wow. how you'd say it? How would you say it? No, no, that's fine. I'm just <laughs> trying to think of the last thing they made. Well, exactly. That was the... And... Well, ADAT was probably the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... And it's it has this has ADAT inputs on it also, which is where it makes up the other 16 inputs on it, which gives it the 26 name. But on the face of it, it looks all right. You know, you're not going to expect too much for that price, but the drivers on that apparently could be a bit dodgy so is that from the rumor mill the rumor mill says 
potentially it's dodgy or the, the experience mill? The, ex- the, the forums, forums uh. are here, there and everywhere. People have mixed reports and it was released in 2007. Mm. So, and yeah, depending on what platform you're on, what operating system you're on, it seems that although they do update their drivers occasionally, they're not big on support. Is the That's the rumor. That's what I got from from half a day's reading about this because I was really really interested in the idea of having eight preamps and with a just a knob for each and a meter mm. for each all there right in front of you so that for multi-channel recordings on and bus powered but yeah but maybe not is the and there's a lot there's been a lot of DSP water under the bridge since 2007 a lot of things have changed since then it seems maybe that's not Yep. Such a safe bet. I, I guess the um, thing back to the sapphires for a minute. I'm saying Focusrite obviously have a great reputation for their preamp stages. Yep. So that's saying. Um, I don't think the the 14 has it, but there is there, one of the higher up ones does have the liquid um, liquid preamps, doesn't it? Which are have the kind of modelled preamp stage as well. Okay. I, I don't know much about those. What do what's um, they, they, they've got they a, a modelling stage? M- mod- a modelling stage in mm. beside their preamps, so you can kind of get them to model after kind of big desks. Have you any experience of them? Is it any good? No, I've never never used one. I just remember Mm. somebody was like, this is a reason. Somebody was saying, well, you might buy one of these things for for this kind of reason. I think you're looking at um, rack gear by the time you get to that. um, Is it it that high up? I I think so. I wondered if they brought it in. I was just thinking if 200 pounds gets you this kind of thing, then your 400 pound marker maybe has has the preamp stage there as well. Can I ask a a, a kind of bigger, a big question? If you want it. The... Because there's also in the same kind of ballpark, there's the uh, the PreSonus Fire Studio Mobile, two sixteen, two hundred sixteen pound, uh, ten inputs, six outputs. It seems, you know, along a, a similar kind of lines. Although it's only got two mic inputs. Which are Fire Studio? Are you, which, the PreSonus Fire Studio Mobile. But part of the reason I'm throwing that in is that we've got PreSonus, we've got Focusrite, we've had Alesis, and we've got Motu. It, I'm thinking in terms of what's got really good preamps, what will sound good. What would you go for within that grouping? We've already mentioned the Focusrite are known for having good preamps. What about I think the Motu? I'd probably, I'd say that I, I don't think the Motu preamps are particularly special, actually, to, to be honest. Um, I don't, I'm not really basing that on any kind of personal testing, but just to, there's nothing special about the preamps on there. I'd, I'd say the, the advantage of the Motu hardware is it's built like a rock and it doesn't seem... And the drivers on OS X are, are absolutely solid. That's like... That's important. Yeah. I, I can't recall it not working. I, I can't recall plugging in either my Motu or my, my Ultralight or my 828 and it not working. That's just not an experience I recall. Yeah, I've used them a lot as well. I've never had a problem in that way. But I've also used PreSonus um, larger rack units and they have not had a problem, you know... You, you only yeah there you, you go. either notice if it's really good or really bad and yep. So what it comes down to is that then preamp isn't really such a such a con- uh, a contentious point in any of these. None of them are going to be bad. They'll all be. I think at, at sub four. I think I think at sub four hundred pounds, you're you're going to get much of a muchness to an extent, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Considering you could spend four hundred pounds on a single preamp. Sure. You know. And it's important to remember, I'm saying, if you're going to start thinking of audio quality at the highest level, then you've got to start thinking about preamp, the conversion stage, the clock that's matching it all. The microphone, the cable. Yep. You know, all these things. But I mean, the with air. the sound card device, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. if £400 gets you eight in, eight out at least, and at the same point you can still spend £400 on a single preamp, then, you know what I mean, you're clearly getting a, 
com- you know what I mean there's a compromise there isn't mm. there in terms of spec that's available I think that's not like that. I think that's an interesting point because the one thing I would say about about the small cards with lots of ins and lots of outs is I do wonder how useful sometimes they actually are if that makes sense because I thought when I when I got my ultralight I was like that's it I'll sell the 828 but then I thought to myself well actually the 828 has eight preamps plugged into its for its ADAT line which I have, have in place and that's a rack unit so that's screwed in and it's like and I've never really I thought to myself well I could use the 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 ADAT box I have is one which has ins and outs, so you can use the pipe and just take the light pipe in and light pipe out, and then that gives you eight preamps. And I thought, oh, I could do that and just plug it into the ultralight, but then you end up with this big thing with lots of unwieldy cables everywhere, and it's and I've never done it. I just take the the big rack unit. So I do wonder if, especially with inputs, how many inputs you really need on the small devices, because I don't know how practical they are to use. Because you know, you you need the preamps as well as the inputs. I think really. So, if you need the preamps, then yeah, you, you know, what I mean, you're 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 having a second box if you're a small device now. So mm. that's I think that's just something to bear in mind. Yeah. Maybe a midway point. Um, I just remember this because we covered it when it was launched. But the Audio Express that Motu brought out, if you remember that unit yeah. there, that was the it's about three hundred and thirty pounds there, give or take. Yeah, but that that's the unit which has a lot more kind of has a lot more kind of front control, so you get all the kind of volume controls for it in across the front of it all as kind of separate discrete controls yeah we talked about that so and you can and you can run that standalone as well can't you as a kind of mixer so it works as to. a digital mixer as well as giving you the because kind of you've got no well. gain yeah yeah now that's interesting because the one of the things i dislike about the ultralight for all for all its pluses is that in a live performance situation it's it's too much of it is under the hood mm-hmm. you know even turning down the main volume can be slightly awkward in a live situation uh, whereas it seems like something like this, where you've got more knobs on the front to play with, might actually be more useful, even though it's presumably got less going on on the inside. Yeah, well, I think the the main element is it has a lot less ins and outs. Let's have a mm. have yeah, a it says six in and out, but that probably includes SP diff. So you look, yeah, so you have got stereo stereo speed diff in and stereo speed diff out. So you're looking at two two XLR preamped, and then two non two, two line ins, and then a main out and a line out. So and there'll be a headphone mix on the front as well. Actually, that really annoys me. You know when people include the headphone, the headphone out in the count of like outputs, that that kind yeah. of frustrates me. And I know that like it it's almost defensible when the headphone out can actually be completely separate. But sometimes you can only use that as a mirror of one of yeah. the others. And then that really winds me up when that happens. Yeah, that's just cheek. Yeah, it's kind of especially when you're like if you've planned to really push the device to the limits, then. You know, that can be really, you know, that can really catch you out. It's like, oh, wait a minute. It's not that many outputs, actually. <laughs> Two of them mm-hmm. impaired. Pants. <laughs> so. so what about questions of, of um, you know, how much you can actually do with it, how much control you've got over the routing and things like that? What would be your, your choice for that kind of thing? Because I know the Motu comes with that nice QMix software. Does that give you much control over the routing? Well, Q- QMix is a little awkward because it's very... It, it works with stereo outs, so you, you you declare a stereo output stereo output pair, and that's what you mix to. And you can't actually take you can take inputs and mix them to the output, but you can't take audio out. You can't take the computer out and mix that through through the mixing. Right. Yeah. Sort of style. So that's Whereas a little the, bit awkward. The um the PreSonus has oh no um yeah PreSonus is quite good software where you can address things. You're not limited to the stereo 
pairing of everything. I think they can you can decouple that quite easily, um, and that's the universal control, which all of their audio interfaces all plug into the same software in the same okay. kind of way as the Motu. It's obviously a different way of doing it, but it's similar in that respect. And the um, focus right, that's they. Hang on, let me make sure I'm talking about the right one here. Yeah. On some of their cards, they have virtual inputs so that you can right. take software and loop it back through the mixing. Which that is, is what, kind of fancy. Which is what's missing with the Motu. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm saying that Motu has a... It does have a kind of um, an aux send-receive to be used inside, like, DP and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think there's possibly a way of exploiting that which would give you a little bit more control, but... It's never something I've <laughs> really, really tried to do. So look at that. I think when I talk, when I think about the um, the kind of processing stage on board, the the card that really jumps out for me and that kind of stuff is the RME Firefaces. Because mm -hmm. I played with a four hundred and eight hundred there, and those the soft the the digital soft mixes inside them are absolutely are like they're so incredibly complicated. It's amazing, but they do everything. It's you can literally pipe anything anywhere and. I think That's they allow sweet. you to mirror every output as a virtual input as well at the top of another stage. So you can, you know what I mean? You can make a mix, send it to an output, and then use that output as the input for another mix. But, but now we're talking the RME Fireface 400. You're looking at more like 600, yeah. 700 pounds. Oh, 700 pounds. that's so outside the budget. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit higher. If they were paying me that much, I'd have got a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been just a whole new set of questions. Well... Uh, the new computer one's easy. We, we won't go there, though. I just start a war. That's what that does. Flames. Flames and flames. Flame and flames. on. So we, we should draw it to a close. Um, yeah, I, I am, if anything, kind of not more confused, but feeling I should go and check things out a bit more now. There's a part of me that just thinks, just get the ultralight. It, it will do 90% of what you want. But I feel I should maybe look a little bit closer at at a couple of the other ones, at the focus right option. And what if you're looking at the ultralight, then maybe look at that Audio Express, mm. the Motor Audio Express, because you're getting the same, you're getting similar stuff under the hood, but yeah. physically you've got different stuff happening with yeah. the controls. So you just need to think about. And there's what. a bit of difference in price as well. It's, well yes. There's a hundred pound different in price. So uh, I'm I'm tempted to think there. Well, surely since it's kind of not my money, I should just spend the extra hundred pound and get more. But maybe that's not the right kind of more. Maybe mm. I'm spending a hundred pound then just to get stuff I'm not going really going to use. Whereas the knobs would be more useful. Mm, tricky. Yep. So it all comes to what you're planning to do with it. Yep. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I would suggest, though, that what's four channels of output, that isn't, a f that, I'm saying that isn't 5.1. No. That, is, that could be a problem because I do end up doing six and eight channel stuff occasionally. Yeah, well, yeah, Maybe that, I think that might be the deal breaker. I, I do wonder about that because it's... But this wasn't available when I, when I bought my ultralight. I mm. probably it would have been between this and the ultralight. I think if it had been available, because I ruled out the uh, Fireface because it just seemed like a lot of money to have to take to gigs to be worried about getting nicked. It's like at a gig I've got my laptop. That's I don't want to have to worry about another six hundred pounds worth of nickable stuff sitting up somewhere. Sure. So that was the reason why I went for the ultralight. I was like, I can afford for this to get nicked more than I can afford to replace. So that was the thing that clinched it for me actually in those in those kind of terms. But definitely while I think the eight inputs are the, the, the additional inputs after the XLR inputs tend to be aren't particularly useful a lot of the time, I find. But definitely the eight outputs are very yeah. useful. Like mm -hmm. you know what I mean even if you're just doing five point one somewhere it's quite common, isn't it? So. Useful to have, sure. 
Well, I don't know how you hope, how useful we've been, really. I'm saying we just kind of talked for a couple of boxes. If there's somebody out there and you feel that we've just uh, gravely offended your product, then feel free to... Yeah, if we've missed something, we've, we've only been looking at about uh, two or three different sellers here, so there could be a product that we've completely missed in this range. Absolutely. Yeah. Let us know. Well, there is. We, so we, we, didn't, we didn't talk about M-Audio. No, we didn't. I can't really talk about their sound cards without... We, we did. Is there an uh, is there an Eddie Roll in this range? We didn't mention those. Oh, we didn't, we didn't mention those either. Oh, We're man. terrible, aren't we? I mean, so I this is just a poor. And the Machionics. Yeah, but, but the Moto Eight Pre, which is no good to me because it only has two outputs. Yeah, the Machionics two, two outputs, is a, um, it's a rack. It's a rack. The, the Echo Audio Fire. Yeah. You get the um, Audio Pro Fire Six Ten. Every time I hear of like any product like that, it just brings back the memories of Four Tens, and that was like that was like the sound card you gave to your enemies. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I want to sabotage your gig. I'll give you a full 10. The booby trap sound card. This will help. This will really help your life. It's free. Mm. <laughs> so, so, I d I'm sure M-Audio have sorted all the problems out. I'm absolutely certain they have. I, well, I, I know that some people were really happy with their full 10s. Well, I've, I have an M-Audio. It's not a full 10, but a similar vintage. And it's, it's getting a bit ropey now, actually. Maybe it always was. Maybe I've only just discovered the special things you can do to make it die but I've kicked with it a lot you know but it was a freebie you know no that's, that's fair <laughs> enough it's just I remember you were I, I don't know when the 410s first came out this must be years ago but it was yeah. just like it was I think it was more driver problem than a hardware problem but it was just comically bad <laughs> at times so if you're there from M Audio you definitely probably want to complain at us now <laughs> cool well Scott I hope that helped we'd love to hear what you decided to buy when you buy it I will, I will let you know Sam, when you it happens well. and keep oh, it updated. Yeah. So, Sam, has that made it any easier for you? Um, sort of. Like I'm, I'm definitely looking a little bit lower. I'm, I'm, can we? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much settled on the Sapphire Pro 14. Yeah, because yeah, we'll add in the, the next step up from that. Um, the well, I can't remember what the number is. Is it the 16? But you get yeah, you get more stuff. Yeah. But you also have to plug in an external power unit, and it's no longer bus powered. So. I've, that's one of the reasons it's kept me looking at that level. It's kind of, yeah. The, the bus power is useful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's essential because... The, well, well, well the, th the thing with the bus power, though, remember, is it's going to suck your battery. It will suck your laptop battery dry, but then you plug your laptop in and now... And then you've got one thing to plug in. And one thing's plugged it, in exactly. and that's fine and that's, yeah. where the, that's where it works, doesn't it, I think. I ju it just dawned on me as we, as we draw to a close, but myself and Sam are actually coming... We're actually coming through 828 Mark Three preamps right now. We are? So style and Scott is actually being rooted through a um, O1V uh, desk because we needed some preamps, and then coming through a line in onto an 828. So this is a prime example of where we have a, a a multiple input sound card which has a giant mixer attached to it. So we have a preamp in order to have <laughs> one extra microphone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So this, you know, what I mean, and that's where your eight pre that you quickly mentioned and then dismissed. But with that, you get eight preamps in a one U rack, which is pretty. But you're carrying a one U rack. Yeah. yeah, I've used that for recording. I found it really, really good, but. Mm. If I need to do live outs with lots of outs, it's not going to help, which is a shame. But I would thoroughly recommend it if you don't need to do more than two outs. I wonder what the most compact multiple multi preamp box is, actually. I think that unless this one that I mentioned might be. Is, that, is that the one? That's something that's about the same size as a laptop. You know, it would sit on top of my MacBook um, 13 inch. Like, yeah. And so if you got lucky with your hardware software combination, then it would be the perfect thing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, Scott needs to, Scott needs to dash. Um, we're we're, we're going to stop recording, and then we're going to do like the start of the show. Go back in time and record to see the opening. That'd be great. The opening show, and then we're then we're probably break momentarily, and then do the plunder at the end of the show, and put that at the end of this bit.
Awesome. It's, we're going to be time traveling today. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> We, we will bid you guys. adieu and bid Scott adieu and begin our time-traveling adventures. Bye. Bye. We're back from our time-traveling adventures. And it's time for... The Plunder. Arr. Arr. Okay. Four items. So let's go. What is circuit bending? Well, that's our first uh, p- uh, plunder item. It's a YouTube video. What is circuit bending? What is circuit Well, that's what the video is called. And you can it's a great it video, out. actually. It is. I'm, I, I love circuit bending as a spectator sport. It's fantastic. I... Yep. I've always been. Into, I've, I actually I have a small pile of things waiting to be circuit bended, and even awesome. a pile of things to be circuit bended onto things, little switches and like resistors that I could put onto little keyboards. The actual doing of this never happens. So, well, that's that's cool. It, it's a cool video. It's very detailed. It's actually an interesting thing. It's been on the side of bent. Um, so, that's cool. Yeah, we've mentioned Rikisar and things before. So sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm miles away from my microphone now. I'm back on the, to the next item, which is. What is, what Tau sounds like? There we go. There's lots of what's today. What Tau sounds like? Um, this is somebody's basically done a composition doing numerical stuff for playing it to notes and then playing it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Check that out. That's a cool video. Um, the Google Doodle guitar, Les Paul. So Google obviously had a Les Paul guitar to celebrate a fairly obscure anniversary, actually. Well, it was, yeah, something to do with Les Paul, wasn't it? But it was like the sixty-second anniversary or something. It was. It was a bit like it was a weird number. But anyway, that's n- has nothing to do with it. Maybe it inspired that guy to go rob in, in Canada. It's like you know what, Les Paul. I'm going to go rob that guy's guitar. Rob that guy's guitar. Maybe that's what it was. It's all Google's fault. Anyway, anyway, we we said we weren't going to talk about these things like oh, this. Um, oh, but anyway, um, basically what's happened is they've been linked up to Super Collider Synth, Super Synth Engine. You can download it. Download the code. You can. Just check out the samples. It's cool. There's a video all about it. So, so people do make cool it. things with Superlayer. <laughs> yeah, they do, apparently. That's hey. Cool. Our final item, we're not going to charge through so quickly yeah. here, but this is our final item of plunder. It's uh, the Vimeo videos, um, Everything is a Remix. Uh, there's three parts by Kirby Ferguson. Yep. Um, these are actually absolutely, absolutely outstanding videos. Have you have you seen them? I have. I've watched all three of them, and yep, yep I'm looking forward to four. But yep, part three has just come out, and if you've not seen any of these, go back, watch episode one. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's basically the whole thing is a discussion about the fact that all creative creative works are derivative of creative works, and it basically discusses it's Creative Commons sponsored. It's the Creative Commons guys who are involved with this, and they're basically it. Well, it's it's just making the point. It's like everything we do is derivative of everything else that's done before, and hence we need a creative licensing methodology that supports and facilitates this, rather one that you know. Well, I think that's the point they're getting to. That's not the point. They've not quite made that point yet, have they? No, I but that's that's the that's clearly the point of where they're going to. Yeah, but but they, I think they have made that point with the videos. My my reading of the videos was yeah, it's kind I of mean, highlighting the problems with what's currently in existence and why. Part one is kind of an intro to that whole the whole idea, and um, part two then kind of focuses on musical appropriation, and yeah. then part three is looking at films and film references. We, we've never had anybody from CC here yet, have we? Creative Commons on the show. No, we haven't. We had, I know we had CC hits, but we've never had somebody from the actual Creative Commons team, so that's something we should look into as well. Should maybe we can get them to come and uh, announce the part four in fall oh, or autumn cool. for people who... Maybe we could ask him. Kirby Ferguson. Maybe he'd like to come on the show just tell us about Creative Commons. You never know. We never know. Anyway, that's <coughs> the end of this week's show. Hooray! It's been an awesome show. It um, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Scott. And thank, thank you, you over Scott. Over Scott, who's gone. He's gone. He left. But he gave us the opportunity to travel in time, which was fantastic. Excellent. So at the end of this time-traveling adventure, 
we hope it's been fun. We should mention, we said at the end of the thing, but if you actually do have any comments about what sound card you should buy, then you should definitely give us a let us know. Well, yeah, yeah go to, um, well, on Twitter, at the audio podcast. Right? We'll or wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Yeah. All the contact deals there. But let us know. We'd really love to do that. We could, you can Skype in and like, we'll have a chat with you about it. Yeah, come, come on the show if you want. And if you don't want to come on the show, then you can send us a comment. And if it's, if it's not offensive... We we might if it's, we'll if it's it clean out. if it's clean we'll if it's clean it. we'll read it out if it's really <laughs> offensive and jeopardizing our clean sticker then we won't read it out there we go that's the deal cool all See right you then. next week next week bye bye.